Welcome back to In Real Time, uh, the weekly movie review podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dalton, and joining me is my podcast co-host in life, Kristen. Hey, everybody. So, usually we review the biggest and best new movies of the year. Obviously, COVID-19 ruined that. Thanks a lot, COVID. Yeah. I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, movies no longer coming out. Really not as big of a deal. But... It does kind of throw a wrench in what we do, so we adapt. We're like Michael Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) I knew he was going to throw in some The Last Dance reference if he could in here at some point. I pitched really hard for this just to be a Last Dance podcast, and it got shot down, so here we are. (laughs) But we adapt, so for the next however many weeks till movies start coming back out, maybe July 17th with Tenet, if Warner Brothers are crazy people. Who knows? I hope they are. I got my fingers crossed for that one. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I still don't know if I want to be that close to a bunch of people coughing. I mean, sure, but I, I want to see the movie, so it's got to come out somehow. Sure, absolutely. I just don't know if July is the right time. That's a different show. Actually, go listen to The Big Picture if you want to hear them talk about it. Way more informed. <laughs> Shout out to The Big Picture. Um, but anyway, since there are no... I mean, there are new movies coming out, but like... You know, definitely not at a clip enough to do regularly. So we figured this would be a great time to dip into the backlog, fill in some blind spots, you know, take some suggestions from people. If you ever wanted to see that one weird movie you saw at 2 a.m. on Showtime get reviewed, sure. now you can. Here if we you are. Want, if you want to hear us talk about it, that is. And why wouldn't you? That's so, a good question. So that's what we're going to do. We um, are. Go you ahead. should probably explain to some of our listeners, what does a blind spot mean? Sure. That's a good point. A blind spot is a movie that everybody else has seen, but for some reason you haven't. It's the movie that when you're like, oh, I've never seen that. People are like, what? Oh my God, you haven't seen this? Um, for example, until this year, mine was the entire Back to the Future franchise. I have now rectified that. I can just hear the audience going, oh. No. Yeah, I know, right? If you see my letterbox, you would uh, probably not appreciate what I gave those movies. <laughs> but, you know, maybe that's a different conversation again. I should have held that. We could have done Back to the Future. But we probably would have lost a lot of listeners because I would have flamed that movie. Yeah, and really killed our uh, fan base there. Yeah. Look, just because you like a movie as a kid doesn't make it good. That's all I'm going to say about Back to the Future. <laughs> but anyway. Okay, so, um, so what are we, what are we reviewing? This week, we are reviewing two movies, both in the year 2000. We were both five years old. Think about that. Wow. Yeah. Both, I guess at some point, we'll be celebrating their 20th anniversary this year. They are The Perfect Storm and Snatch, which is great because this is a double blind spot episode. Yes, it is. I had never seen The Perfect Storm. You had never seen Snatch. Usually, we are going to do one or the other. But this week, Serendipity Struck, double blind spot. And it was also, both of these movies were um, listener suggestions. Correct. So also. we've got the, you know, three things going here. Yeah, I mean, it's really just all weaving together. The Matrix is opening up in front of us. <laughs> oh, we should do The Matrix. It's not a <laughs> So bl- many ideas. It's not a blind. Somebody write into the pod. I'm going to get my burner email. Write into the podcast <laughs> in real time at gmail.com. That's R-E-E-L. And suggest The Matrix. Please. Thank you. Don't let him twist your arm. But don't you want to talk about Keanu Reeves? Of course I do. Okay. But can we do a Keanu Reeves podcast episode? Why are we limiting ourselves to The Matrix? I mean, we're not. Uh, because The Matrix is amazing. 
I mean, we can do whatever we want. No movies are coming out, and we're doing a movie <laughs> this podcast. This is our show. Yeah. We somehow, <laughs> for some reason, decided to start this movie podcast up again as soon as movies died. But Yeah. What hey, a great time. You know what? We're nothing if not innovators. Don't let anybody tell you they did this first. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Tangent over. Yeah. Not for the last time, I'm sure. Okay. So, I think we're going to go ahead and start with The Perfect Storm. Yes, we are. And when we start talking about this, you'll understand why. Um, so before we get into anything, mm-hmm. any anything talking about this movie, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, what is your one word review for this movie? Bloated. Bloated. Yeah. Okay. That's like almost a pun too. It's not quite, but it's really close. And I try to like come up with a word that would be a pun. But bloated just really fits how I feel about this movie. Yeah. Mine was going to be dated. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, there's a shot. Oh, okay. we'll get there. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to jump, I don't want to jump the ship. Uh, oh, <laughs> gosh. There it is. So many people just turned it off right there. <laughs> yeah, they're done. Fair. All Are, right, so go ahead. Oh, do you want me to tell you about The Perfect yeah, Storm? Yeah, go ahead. Read us the synopsis. Okay. The synopsis for The Perfect Storm as according to Google. Based on a true story, the film tells of the courageous men and women who risk their lives every working day, pitting their fishing boats and rescue vessels against the capricious forces of nature. Wow. Their worst fears are realized at sea on Halloween. It was Halloween? It was Halloween. I had no idea until I read that. Man, not a single costume. None. Not even a nod to it being Halloween in the movie. It was so strange. I'm like, why even add that fact? I mean, because it really happened at that time. That's, you know. Halloween of 1991, when they are confronted by three raging weather fronts, which unexpectedly collide to produce the greatest, fiercest storm in modern history. The perfect storm. Man, whoever wrote this should have wrote this movie because they were way better at it. <laughs> Already doing way better. Release date of June 30th, 2000, directed by one Wolfgang Peterson. Kristen, can you tell me anything else Wolfgang Peterson has directed? Um. Oh, can you? I'm going to say... Air Force One. Yes, he did direct Air Force One. We were looking for Troy, though. The Brad Pitt classic. But yes, Wolfgang Peterson, a pretty well-known B-movie director. Air Force One, Troy, Das Boot, Neverending Story, I guess. <laughs> you, know, he's, you know, he's like one of those guys who are like, if you know Wolfgang Peterson, you like kind of know about movies. He's not like up there. He's not like a Spielberg or anything like that. But he, he's not, you know, he's got some cachet. So he's like middle of the table. Sure. I mean, he got to make this movie. It had a giant budget. So like True. he, he's got some, he's got some, he's doing to something his name. right. He's got a great name. Wolfgang. Cool name. Anybody named Wolfgang, they're doing something right. This movie is what PG 13. It's definitely a 2000s PG 13 too. Oh yeah. Like, for sure. Wouldn't have slid today. It was just like when parents were just like putting their kids in front of TVs and looking away. And it's like, it's PG-13. They'll be okay. That's fine. Yeah. Runtime of two hours and 10 minutes. And boy, do you feel it. Yeah. Um, just, just a lot of 
unnecessary moments sure. in this film. Absolutely. It was like, let's read the newspapers. What all happened during this storm? There were multiple. Let's put it all in this movie. There were multiple, like, news report. Like, people watching the TV, watching the news. Multiple scenes of that. Yeah. Like, it's not good one time in a movie, usually. But let's do it, like, four times. And let's make them long. Yeah, really long. Like, we're all here to begin with to follow these guys on this boat. But... Let's spend equal amount of time on land and oh, just yeah. wondering what the hell is going on with these guys. It's we'll get there. I want to let's get through the rest of the okay, uh, okay. the data, the 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 notes if you will. Go ahead. Um budget of 140 million dollars in 2000. That's that's I mean that's like a Marvel movie budget if you're thinking. But I'm trying to figure out I mean I was trying to think, where did this money go? But I guess if you're trying to, like, recreate these, like, crazy wave ocean sequences, then it kind of makes sense. Right into George Clooney's pocket is where it went. I mean, yeah, pretty much. Um, budget of $140 million. Domestic opening, though, of $41 million. That's a That's a great opening. That's a banger opening in 2000. Um, goes on to a international... Uh, or a domestic haul of 182 million for a worldwide haul of 328 million. This was the number eight highest-grossing worldwide movie of 2000. Number eight. Think about She's that. So strange. It made more money than the first X-Men movie. So, so basically, Clooney blo- like brought everyone to see this film, right? Him and Mark Wahlberg. Okay. I guess. It's weird to think that Mark Wahlberg would have that kind of pull, especially thinking about it now. I want to read just, I want to read off to you the seven movies above The Perfect Storm on the 2000 Worldwide Grossing List. Okay. Because it's a list unlike I've ever seen. It just really shows you how the landscape of movies has changed. Excuse my puberty. So, number seven, Meet the Parents. Number seven? Number seven. It's above this movie? Yeah. Why? Ben Stiller comedy. First of all, I like Meet the Parents. It's a good movie. Okay. That's a funny movie. But the fact that like a studio comedy is the seventh highest grossing movie of the year just shows you this is a different time. That would never happen these days. Meet the Parents today comes out on Netflix. Instantly. And it's terrible. Number six. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Stole Christmas. I've sold <laughs> Christmas. How he sold Christmas is like the capitalistic, scary <laughs> version of that movie. Number five, Dinosaur. Oh my gosh, we were just talking about this movie today. I know, it's crazy. So, I really liked that movie as a kid. Yeah. It's Would creepy. it hold up? Absolutely not. Yes. It's a lot of the same problems with the perfect storm that <laughs> Dinosaur has. Number four, What Women Want. Okay. Incredible. Again, not gonna happen just, today. Just incredible, and almost a fifty-fifty split, split domestic and foreign on that one too. Number three, Castaway. Excellent movie. Tom Hanks, always bankable. Yeah, always. Always bankable. Number two. Is that what you just said? Yeah, bankable. Okay. Number two, Gladiator, which we just recently watched again in crisp four K. It was very, very good. I think I liked it more the rewatch, like yeah. second time. It holds up. Yeah. Also, like, 
when was the last time that the movie that won Best Picture was this high on the worldwide grossing list? That also never happens anymore. That's true. And then number one, and this is brutal to me, a lot of people just with bad taste, Mission Impossible 2. The worst Mission Impossible. Okay, but let me ask you this. Going by this list, the yeah. 2000s yes. box office list, that being number one, mm-hmm. but also looking at the rest of these movies, it makes sense. Sure, it's like, the only they sequel. Like, have a lot to work with I here. mean, absolutely. Like, if you're looking at this, this is honestly like the canary in the coal mine. The number one movie of this year was a sequel. So. What, you know, all of the number one movies these days, sequels, parts of franchises, known IP. Like, it's starting right here 20 years ago in 2000. The second Mission Impossible movie, the worst Mission Impossible movie, uh-huh. is the number one movie at the box office. So, interesting. Signs of the times right here. Yeah, for sure. Ooh, is that a Harry Styles plug right no, there? No, no it wasn't. I'll take it. That's what okay, it was. Okay, yeah. Um, we're looking at a sweet uh, 47% on Rotten Tomatoes for The Perfect Storm, which Rotten Tomatoes is kind of BS because like, you can review movies at any time. So, like, somebody could just be going back five years, you know, they could be us and review like exactly. Right you, now, could be, so, you could be I us. Mean. Rotten Tomatoes, let me in. Let me review movies for you. <laughs> uh, Six point four out of ten on IMDb, fifty nine percent on Metacritic. Like I said, for movies that aren't super contemporary, like those numbers become less and less important because they're not really indicative of how people thought about it at the time. Mm-hmm. But you know, nonetheless, those are those are the numbers. We should also mention this is based off of a book of the same name, which was like wildly loved like it was super popular book um so maybe read the book instead i haven't read it but i hear it's good i mean based off of a book based off of true events right exactly so yeah or you know just watch the news from 2000 yeah go to the library well when it's safe to do so yeah okay so kristen okay you had seen this movie before i have Approximately, how old were you the first time you saw The Perfect Storm? Can you um, remember? I I don't remember my exact age, but I do remember exactly where I was when okay. I watched it. So I think that might help. Sure. Um, so I was at my grandparents' house, and they actually owned this movie on DVD. Which grandparents? My mom's. Okay, gotcha. So shout out to Mama and Papa. Uh, yeah. They'll never hear this. I don't even know a podcast exists. No, it's fine. Um, (laughs) So I was at their house. You know, they had like a little small movie collection, Uh like something cute compared to what we have. (laughs) So I'm pulling it off on the shelf. I'm bored one day. I'm like, you know what? Come on, Pops. Let's go watch this movie. So I'm going to guess I was probably in where between 10 and 13. Okay, so probably about five to six, seven years after this movie had come out. Yes. Okay, interesting. I, of course, have never seen this movie before now. Didn't really even know it existed, if we're being honest. Um, Very surprised that it was the eighth highest grossing movie of the year 2000. A pretty prolific year in movies. Um, So, pretty excited. Although, I'm very hot and cold when it comes to disaster movies. I think so few of them do it well i think all the ones that do do it well end up like not being they're they're kind of like faux disaster movies like the disaster isn't the forefront i feel like a lot of times when when it's like about the disaster the movie ends up being really bad 
But nevertheless, I'm like, cool. It's got George Clooney in it. I love George Clooney. It's got Mark Wahlberg in it. I can take or leave Mark Wahlberg. But it's like 2000s Mark Wahlberg. So like maybe he hasn't figured out that he's like bankable and and rich and like he's still trying. You know, maybe you're going to get like some boogie nights, Mark Wahlberg. So I was like, man, we'll see. Um, he's young. He's hot. He's here, you know. Yeah. he's. Um, everybody loves Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Well, not everybody. Not me. What? I don't know. Not love, even a little? I mean, he's fine. I just... Look, we talked about this. Mark Wahl... For every good movie Mark Wahlberg has, he's got at least if one to not... If not two bad Mark Wahlberg movies. You know, you never know what you're going to get. I mean, that's a fair point. Like you have, like I said, Boogie Nights. You also have The Happening or Transformers The Last Night. You know, it's... Yeah. I mean... never know. I I have to think that a lot of actors have that in their, you know, in their back pocket. Like you've got that movie that just didn't hit, you know? Sure. That, yeah, one or two is fine. Mark Wahlberg's got like 10. (laughs) Okay. He also said that he would have single-handedly stopped 9-11, and I'll never let him live that down. I don't remember that. He said if he was on that plane, it wouldn't have happened. Ouch. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> so, along with George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, we have a John C. Riley, Diane Lane, um, John Hawks, William Feichner, Sully. William Spikner is like the ultimate bad guy. Yeah, you know his face yeah. and you know movies he's been in, but you have no idea like what this dude's name is at all. Exactly. Like when I read his, I was like, I bet I've read his name a hundred times and I can still never remember it, but I know his face immediately. Yeah. Uh, I had that exact like thought going through my head as soon as we turned that movie on. <laughs> so a pretty, you know, a big cast to go with a big budget. A well-known director. What could go wrong, you know? Well, you know. Just like the fishing expedition that this movie is mostly about. A lot, apparently. I don't even like... I don't know where to start with this movie. I'll tell you exactly where we're going to start. Okay. We're going to start about 25 minutes into this movie. We have already seen... The crew, our band of gruff fishermen, come back from a haul. We've seen George Clooney, the captain, get accosted by, I guess, the guy that owns the boat, saying that he's in a slump, he's not doing really well. Um, we spend a lot of time with just, like, everybody at the bar, which is, like, really character building here. You know, Mark Wahlberg and Diane Lane are in love, despite the fact that Diane Lane looks 25 years older than him. We're not going to worry about is that. She, though? She probably really is. I have no idea. I don't know either. Um, But she looks it. And we, you know, for whatever reason, doesn't matter, plot, they're going back out there like two days after they get back. Oh, man. They need to get that bread. Oh. In this case, fish. That's right. And they get out on the boat. The boat is sailing out. It's like a pretty sunset. Mark Wahlberg is going to climb up on top of the boat and get a look out at the oh, bay. No. <laughs> and he gets to the top of this thing. There's a $140 million budget. I get that it's in 2000, but still. And Just it is no excuse. some of the worst green screen 
I have ever seen in my entire life. Like they couldn't have shot it on location. They couldn't have. They coun't like have put waited Mark, for the sun to go down. They couldn't have put Mark, put Mark Wahlberg up on a boat and like uh, shot this scene. No, they, they went down to, to the local J.C. Penney. <laughs> they got their sunset backdrop and they're like, Mark Wahlberg, lean on this rail. We're gonna shoot twenty seconds of B-roll. It'll be good. And then just have this like slight little smirk on your face. It's, what are you thinking about, Mark Wahlberg? It's what terrible. What are you thinking about up there on that boat? And it just like, it was just like such an encapsulation of this movie where it's just like, why are, why is there so much going on? Why is there so many, like, f- there's so much fluff? Like, there's just too much. And it, it just like, it's like a sinking ship. You just watch it slowly going down and down. Like, when you start, you're like, okay, this is kind of fun. They have, like, a fun dynamic with the crew. And then it just unravels all the way to the end, which should hit you emotionally. But instead, I was laughing. Laughing and also, which is really bad to say, considering the story. But fair, that's true. Laughing, but just kind of, like, asking yourself why. You're just befuddled. Yeah. Or, or like what what did I just watch? What happened? Yeah, because it's just like they had a story and they had a through line and they like finished that and they're like, Man, we still got like seventy million dollars. What if we shot this scene and this scene and this scene and this scene? And we'll just put them in wherever we can and cool. Cause like well, when you read the plot synopsis of this movie, yeah. it makes it sound like it's about the storm itself. Which is an interesting idea, like, you, and it's not like the movie, but like the book war, um, World War Z, where it's multiple, like, short stories about people in the zombie apocalypse, mm-hmm. and they kind, they don't, they kind of tie together, but they don't always. You could do that about this storm, like, tell small stories of people being affected by this storm. But that's not what this movie is. It's about the fishermen. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to start the movie out in this specific st- scenario wouldn't it be smart to continue that throughout the the movie the b plot of this of the sailors doesn't start until like 35 minutes in this movie right and we get two scenes with them before the storm hits yes maybe like why are they there like either make this movie about those fishermen and cut all of that out and, like, the way they try to, like, tie it in with the whole, this is why the Coast Guard couldn't come rescue them or whatever. But it doesn't play. You just get lost. And. Well, it's because they spend so much time with these, like, side story characters. You're like, is this a movie about two different things? Or are we sticking with one thing? Right. Like, you get so confused watching, like, this movie. Like, what's happening? Yeah, and then they have the, like, Coast Guard rescue thing. And they try to build the Coast Guard like guys really quick, and you just don't care about them because they don't show up till literally two hours—not two hours, but an hour and forty-five minutes into this movie. And you're like, I don't even know who these guys are. They're all wearing helmets. I can't tell them apart. They're like, Where's Johnson? And I'm like, I don't even know which know one Johnson is. is. Yeah, which who knows? Um, You've sent like three guys jumping off this helicopter into the water, and then all of a sudden they're back into the helicopter. 
and then the helicopter's trying to crash, and you're like, what is happening? Whenever they were like, we're missing a guy, I was like, I, I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known. I don't if, know how many of you there are, that. because we keep getting shots inside the helicopter, and I don't know how many of you there are. And I honestly, like, if we probably would have paid attention, we could have counted each time they would show the inside of that helicopter, and it would be another person added every time. <laughs> yeah, who knows? There's probably a different amount every single shot. Um... But yeah, it's just like, it adds to the problems of this movie where like, it just doesn't know what it wants to be. Because you also have like the really weird um, newsroom scenes where Shooter McGavin from <laughs> Billy oh, or from yeah. Happy Gilmore is the meteorologist. And he's got like this like weird weather fetish. And he's like trying to like hit on his assistant, show her how much he knows about weather. He's the one that gets to say the perfect storm. So, I mean, big deal for him. I get it. Uh, but it just doesn't make any sense. Like it doesn't flow. We get it. Like we didn't need a shot of the radar showing the storm and like, you know, why it's the perfect storm. You don't need any of that. You can, you don't have to explain that. That's, that's a perfect example of like a tell don't show. Like when they get to the boat and the waves are so big that it's like pushing the boat almost over or, or over I get it. It's a big storm. That's all I need to know to like understand that the guys on the boats, the ones I care about in this movie, the ones that you've actually built up, they're in danger. This is dangerous. I don't need a 10 minute scene of Shooter McGavin explaining to me cold fronts and weather patterns making the storm bigger. It's a big storm. I get it. The movie's literally called The Perfect Storm. You put a giant wave on the poster. I know I, what I'm here yeah, for. I, I think we get what's probably going to happen. Like I wasn't, I wasn't going to this movie being like, oh, they're going to run into bad weather. I you never would have expected. I'd really like to know how our hurricane is forming. You know, that's yeah. exactly what I need right now. Let's grind this movie to a halt and explain to you cold fronts. Do you think weathermen really like this movie? Uh, no, because I bet <laughs> it probably is like a very rudimentary job on like why the storm happened the way it was i just like picture our local like weathermen and they're watching this movie with their kids and they're like man they really captured like how we are in the newsroom yeah they nailed it i'm always i'm always using uh my weather knowledge to pick up the assistance (laughs) it's uh, it's my go-to line (laughs) but i'm we're being very critical and we are that's because this movie is not very good at least definitely not now. I'm sure in 2000, those wave scenes probably blew somebody's mind. And the some of the weather shots are cool. Some of the wave scenes actually do look really good. Yeah, like when they're splashing the water like onto the boat, like the waves like pushing the water on there. Like yeah. it looks like they really are in the middle of the ocean a lot of times. Yeah. There's a lot of really cool scenes in this movie. But it's just like they're so few and far between. Yeah. Um, and you do actually get some good emotional connection to the crew. Not nearly enough um, at all. Like John C. Riley and William Feitner's character have some kind of beef and I still don't understand why. Yeah, like why did they just like hate each other so quick? Like William Feitner, was he s- sleeping with John C. Riley's ex-wife? I really have no idea and they never address it at all. Like the, like Feichner, like just, I feel like he just showed up. Well, you did. He was the replacement for that guy that was like, I'm going to go join this other crew. And George Clooney was like, fine, see ya. 
And so they needed one more, and that's when he and goes. And he was like, eh, sure. And he whatever. was like, let me pick Ugh. this guy that's never been fishing before. We found him welding, but we're going to take him out to this place where we're going to catch more fish than we ever had. Definitely. Yeah, seems legit. Yeah. So, but I do, I think that there are some really great, like, weather shots, which I'm sure is a big selling point in this movie. And there are some good, like, this is intense we're in a disaster movie moments like George Clooney trying to like break off that anchor thing like just flying around yeah like that was pretty intense them trying to like board up the windows because the water is coming into it Mm -hmm. you know it's pretty intense John C. Riley getting a hook in his hand and being like yeah him going overboard the boat that was crazy yeah like that's probably the best one honestly except for the fact that they were holding their breath for so long yeah I was like how are y'all doing this like david blaine on this boat just like olympic swimmers out there just which um, they're fishermen whatever you know i can suspend my disbelief enough for that but yeah it's just like it's just way too like i I got long enough in the movie where nothing was happening that i could think about why i wasn't enjoying it and that's never what you want no you don't want to give the audience that time to contemplate what's I guess contemplate all of these bad scenes. Right. Like you don't like, I need to be so captivated that I can't figure out why certain scenes didn't work for me until at the end of the movie. For so many scenes, I was like, that scene didn't work for me immediately after it was done. And it's, that's just never a good sign for a movie. No. Um, was there anything else we wanted to add? No, I mean, it's, I feel like we pretty much. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I don't know. I think you could, you could definitely skip this one. I, maybe if you saw it in 2000 and it like holds a special place in your heart and you want to go back to it, like that's fine. Like I, yeah. I think there is like a lot, like nostalgia is super powerful. Like that's not anything new. If you see a movie as a kid or an impressionable age, you can go back to it and you can forgive a lot of stuff. Like there are movies that I like that I objectively know probably aren't very good, but because you, I saw them at a certain time, they're good. And they always will be good, and I'll always enjoy them. And that's probably this movie for a lot of people. Is it? The, it's like not the worst hang for two hours. It should be an hour and 45 minutes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, you could definitely do worse. Which I was thinking kind of about that when this movie got suggested to us. I was like, I remember liking this movie. Right. I like, was also young. Not really into movies like I am now, but... Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm sure if you asked anybody who saw this movie in the year 2000 and never thought about it again, they are probably like, yeah, it's pretty good. Like, it definitely falls in that camp of, this movie is not offensive, but it's not exactly rewatchable or Mm -hmm. needs to be beloved or anything like that. So, you know, you can give it a pass for that, I guess. Yeah. I I mean, it's just like one of those movies that... If no one ever watched it again, it would be fine. Right. I'm not, And I'm also not going to be like, if somebody was like, yeah, I really like that movie. I'm not going to be like, you're crazy. Like, we can't hang out anymore. <laughs> like, you're like that now. Yeah, exactly. Now, you see, you know, there's some other movies. I won't say, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. <laughs> but there are definitely, there's a list of those movies. And you'll know if you ever say one to me. I feel like if you want to go back to maybe a couple of these previous episodes you might kind of get that from dalton but that's true you could probably infer from previous episodes we've reviewed some stinkers but aside from 
our own personal takes and views on this film. Mm -hmm. I did, however, find a few things that I thought would be interesting to talk about. Okay, let's hear it. Um, So the first one that I pulled up, um, Mel Gibson, Harrison Ford, and Nicolas Cage all turned down parts for this movie. Oh, man. Give me Nick Cage in this movie. (laughs) It's immediately better. So unlike Cage and Ford... Gibson simply wanted too much money. It says $25 million. Gibson's The Patriot ended up opening on the same weekend as The Perfect Storm and nice. came in second Ooh. to this movie. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. Mel Gibson would have brought way too much like depressed energy to this movie because they definitely wanted Mel Gibson for the George Clooney role. There's no way he's taking oh, anything yeah. else. Yeah. And, like, George Clooney has this, like, fun, like, I'm depressed, but I like to be happy in this movie. He's the best part about this movie. Absolutely. He's not in it nearly enough. Those scenes with the lady boat captain where they're talking on the radio. Right. Easily the best part of these movies. So, funny you mention that because that's kind of the next thing I was getting to. Okay. So... The families of the Andrea Gale crew members. So mm-hmm. that's the name of the boat. Right. The boat that Clooney and his yes. crew were on. Um, the families unsuccessfully sued the producers. They were upset that the names of their family members weren't changed. But some facts Ooh. from the 1991 incident were. So, for example, among the major discrepancies, Linda Greenlaw never actually placed a distress call because she didn't hear any urgency in Tyne's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also no romance in between Tyne and Greenlaw. Yeah, but, like, that's a movie. See, that's what I thought, too, when I read this. I was like, of course they're going to embellish some stuff. Which, to be fair, if they leave out the distress call, you can cut out the entire B-plot of the Coast Guard and the people on the sailboat. So maybe they should have done that. Yeah, maybe they should have went with that idea. But the romance thing, that's always going to happen. Mean, yeah, I mean, it, not like it's going to be a huge deal. You know what I mean, I guess? I mean, I get it. Like, they make a movie about your family and it's not right. Like, you absolutely have every right to be upset sure, about that. Yeah. Especially, you know, losing a loved one that hope, way. Yeah, for sure. It's obviously super traumatic. But I assume at some point, either from the book or the movie, you did sign off on this being made mm-hmm. it is weird that they didn't change their names that is usually a pretty common practice right when you know things like that get written or made like for a movie so i can understand the sticking point with that like you wouldn't want the actual names used but you know that's i mean that's that's the rub sometimes i'm like when they mm-hmm. dram- dramatize real life events like you have to put in stuff to make it a movie otherwise it's just a documentary i guess that also makes me think about like I guess you really need to pay attention to what you sign. Sure. So it's like maybe something like that was in there, like when they signed off. If you, you know, if you learn nothing else from in real time, it's if before you sign a contract, let a lawyer read it. <laughs> okay. So the third one, Christopher McDonald. So this is the guy that plays um, the meteorologist. <laughs> oh, Shooter McGavin. He had to say the name of the movie twenty-five times. So, Peterson made sure that McDonald, who played the meteorologist, um, said his line, this could be the perfect storm. He had to make sure it was said just right. Which, why would you have to do that 25 times? Who does Wolfgang Peterson think he is? (laughs) David Fincher? 
Like, like what is that? Like Do you that, think that Christopher McDonald was sitting there and he's like, yeah, I nailed that first take. And he's like, no, nah, do it again. Christopher McDonald was like, I was in a movie with Adam Sandler. How dare you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. That is so extra, which is this movie. So I guess that kind of goes with the theme. Do you think there's a cut where they left them all in? Oh, like, there's, like the it just says the perfect storm 25 times in the movie. <laughs> he just looks directly into the camera at one point. Like... You can see it in his eyes. He's just like, please help me. I'm on I'm on 13 and I need help. I've said it in every way I know how to say it. <laughs> um, so this, something that we didn't mention, mm-hmm. um, this film was nominated for two Academy Awards. Um, best Visual Effects and Best Sound. Um, but both, it, it lost to Gladiator. The absolute juggernaut that Which, year at the Oscars. Makes sense. Gladiator yeah. is so good. Right. Gladiator, good special effects, even yes. for to be 20 years old, holds up pretty well. That's Those are a right, though. Like, if you were going to be like, we nominated this movie for two Oscars, I'd be like, they're no acting, no directing, no writing, probably visual effects. Yeah, and sound. I would say, no, those are probably the only two. I was going to yeah. try and come up with one more, but no, no those, are, no, those two fine. seem about right. So, I guess I'm going to go ahead and give it my star rating. Go for it. Um, I gave this a 2.5. Okay. Out of five, we should say. We're yes, not Roger Ebert. Yes. Um, it wasn't great. Sure. It wasn't terrible. Just a simply okay movie. Absolutely. That's all you got? That's all I got. They should have hired you to write the screenplay. I give this one a little less. I'm at two out of five stars. Um, one of those stars is just for George Clooney in a John Deere hat. <laughs> Great look. Uh, yeah, it's not offensively bad, but there are like a thousand movies that I could recommend for you watched instead of this one. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just forgettable. I'll probably never watch this movie again. No. Do you think George Clooney kept that hat? I hope so. I'd like to think you just wears it on the weekends sometimes. Yeah. He's like, um, you know what? Remember that time in my life. Like he's doing some yard work. George Clooney is not doing yard work. Maybe he just does it for fun. Like he's got a garden, you know? Like he's not mowing the yard, but he's like growing some herbs. He's too busy making coffee with his brand. That's true. What is it? Espresso? Nespresso. Nespresso. Sorry, yeah. the N. Well, espresso is just a type of coffee, so he can't have that one. Okay, fine. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's all we got that's for the That's the perfect storm. storm. Yeah. <laughs> We're moving on to a much better movie. A movie I yes. enjoy way more. That would be Guy Ritchie's Snatch. Go also, ahead and give us that synopsis. Also released in the year 2000. Which, which was, I would like to add, this was not done on purpose. No. We did not pick specifically 2000s movies. And if we're being like super nitpicky, Snatch opened wide in January of 2001 in the US, but it released in the uk guy ritchie's homeland in 2000 so so it counts it counts so the synopsis for snatch illegal boxing promoter turkish played by jason statham convinces gangster bricktop played by alan ford to offer bets on bare knuckle boxer mickey played by the one and only brad pitt my first love (laughs) as his 
book at his bookie business. When Mickey does not throw his first fight as agreed, an infuriated Bricktop demands another match. Meanwhile, gangster Frankie Fourfingers, played by Benicio del Toro, comes to place a bet for a friend with Bricktop's bookies as multiple c- criminals converge on a stolen diamond that Frankie has come to London to sell. I feel like that's very mild for this movie. Well, like, how do you describe this movie? Absolutely. Really? So, like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> how, that really doesn't prepare you for what you're about to watch. No, never. Um, so, like I said, like we said at the top of the episode, this is a movie you had never seen. This yes. is your first time viewing. I have seen Snatch probably ten times. I absolutely adore it. It is one of those movies that I saw. You know. 14, 15 years old, and I was just like, oh my god, this is like Mozart. Like, they were fast talking, they were doing some crazy cuts. It was just, it was blowing my mind. It was funny. I just, I adored it. We watched it. It's so rewatchable to mm-hmm. me. We used to watch it over and over again. You know, it's it's immensely quotable, unless you're Brad Pitt's character. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a good, it's just a fun time. It's an hour and 44 minutes doesn't overstay its welcome never drags you're in you're out it's it's just great so what were your first like your first time viewing in 2020 for this movie how do you feel about it um so before i watched the movie like it got suggested um i knew well i'll be honest i didn't really know a whole lot about this movie um I just remember you saying, you know, it's got Richie, same guy who did The Gentleman, which right. was the last Guy Richie movie that I saw. So I guess comparing it to that, I was pretty excited. Um, I, I really loved that movie. So mm-hmm. I guess going into it with that mindset, I was excited to watch it. So yeah the gentleman one of the few movies that got to come out this year yeah. in theaters and we didn't even get to review it i know the gentleman a, a really good film like it's it should easily be streaming I de- it definitely it's on like streaming by now if you like guy Ritchie movies absolutely watch the gentleman yes yeah, so i remember i was curious like to see who was all in this movie and i saw that it had brad pitt and <laughs> dalton is just giggling <laughs> and i have no idea why oh, so i'm just like kind of asking questions like what happens to him like what's what is what's so funny and he's like you'll just see you'll oh, just see man. and as soon as this guy opens his mouth in the first scene that he's in my mouth like my jaw is just dropped Can't i'm confirm. like what you so, like dags yeah which one of our friends made that quote before we actually like pressed play and i had no idea like (laughs) what he was talking about yeah i was like hoping you didn't see that message because i was like oh no like she's gonna ask questions she's not i don't want to i wanted to experience this in its purity but okay so some more stats on snatch it like i said uh an hour and 44 minute runtime it Brought in a the domestic opening is like only like twenty seven thousand, but I think it's because it opened like super limited before. Um, it it finishes with a worldwide gross of eighty three million, which is it was on a six million dollar budget, so a massive hit. Like this movie, obviously huge for what it was. Like just coming out of nowhere. like it's like a 
a get out or a quiet place nowadays, you know, just super small budget, you know, not really, not really a lot of expectations and just like smashes them through the roof. Uh, It was, since it also came out in the year 2000 and I'm already, you've got the list pulled up. Snatch was the 55th highest grossing movie of 2000. Makes me a little sad though. I feel like it needs to be higher. Just two spots below, bring it on. What? Three spots above the road to El Dorado. So the 2000s were crazy. Yeah. It made more money than Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Hmm. What a list. The 2000s box office list, it's, it's, a, it's a trip. I recommend just looking it up one day. Yeah, just take a gander. What a that. time capsule. So yeah, and like I said, we've we've mentioned a few of the people in the movie. We'll go ahead and give you the other rundown. We have Benicio del Toro, Dennis Farina, Vinnie Jones, Brad Pitt, Jason Statham, Alan Ford. You know, there's a and there are many characters in this movie. That side characters, characters only come in for one scene. It's a Guy Ritchie movie. He loves a giant ensemble. That's like what he does best. I just love that. Jason Statham looks exactly the same. He does. Man doesn't age. Doesn't get credit is for not weird? aging. It's because he went bald early. Is that the trick? I think it is. Because the rest of these guys, you can tell. You just, they've aged. It's fine. It happens. It's true. Jason Statham, not a bit. Brad Pitt, not far behind him. Only because Brad Pitt is aged, but he still looks really good. So it's like, it doesn't matter that you've aged because you're still hot. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's like a silver fox kind of thing. Absolutely. Like him, when he was campaigning to win that Oscar for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just still looking great. Just at his absolute best. In Once Upon a Time in Hollywood looking great, you know? like Yeah. He's just wearing his age so well. He just looks great in everything. He does. This is just a Brad Pitt podcast now. I mean, we stand Brad Pitt here. Absolutely. I was like a proud mother when he won that Oscar. <laughs> there was a single tear just ride down my cheek. Over, sweet. you know, deserved it. Very sweet. But yeah, so <laughs> I want to hear. I'm <laughs> just sitting here thinking about Brad. You just think right about now. yeah, that yeah. happens. A moment of silence for Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to I want to hear since like I'm just very curious on more of your thoughts on this movie because. It's a little bit of a time capsule for 2000. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, you know, semi-large ensemble, you know, lots of dialogue, lots of cuts. Like, people figured out that they could spin a camera upside down in the year 2000, apparently. Mm -hmm. That's obviously not true, but you know what I mean? Um, Like, every character gets, like, a giant, like, introduction card at the beginning of the movie. It's just such a not subtle movie like i feel like in today's movies subtlety is like king Mm -hmm. like everything is understated we're using dark tones where you know the characters are they're not over the top they're you know the the score is not super loud like this movie's in your face like it is like this is the year 2000 we're gonna punch you right in the mouth so like as somebody who like, we watch a lot of newer movies and stuff like that. Like, how was it adjusting to the feeling of that movie? Um, honestly, I just, I kept getting, like, Tarantino vibes. Yeah. Which, huge fan 
of Tarantino. But it's like, I'm just sensing, like, Guy Ritchie has a theme. Absolutely. And when you watch any of his movies, it's like, okay, I get it. Like, this is... This is definitely this is Guy Ritchie. Yeah, he's got a he definitely has a style. Like yes. he is one of those directors that you can pick his movie out of a lineup. You're like, that's a Guy Ritchie movie. Much like a Tarantino yeah. or a Spielberg or a Christopher Nolan. You know, people with even if the stories change and the characters change and the settings change, the feel doesn't change. Like you almost always kind of feel like these movies take place in the same universe. Right. But it's like the movie itself makes sense for the time because I'll think back to different movies like growing up as a kid where everything's just like in your face and like explosions and like loud talking and fast paced movies like that. That's just how things were. Sure. Like looking back at childhood movies and I think that's why things are kind of like turning now to more subtlety. Mm-hmm. I just feel like people are looking, I guess we're got, I guess, um, like used to it. Like movies that are like that now, they're just kind of like, meh. Yeah. No one really cares. Well, it's, it, it feels rote. Like it right. feels like it's been done. Exactly. Because it has like, it takes a lot of, you have to put a lot of spin on a movie that you want to be in your face today because we got 20 years of it being done. Like you, like something like an assassination nation sticks out to me. That movie is in your face. It is blaring music at you mm-hmm. the whole time, but it has such a unique spin on it, such a different twist, such a twist for this time in this internet age that it's warranted. Like you have to do something like that in the year 2000, you can just make a gangster movie. And you know, when you're thinking about gangster movies, you think about, you think about Scorsese Right. Those yeah. movies are a little they're a little more refined, you know, like we're wearing suits. We're we're gangsters, but we're gentlemen. Yeah, we're classy. This movie is like, nah, we're gonna put masks on and like rob people with fake guns and <laughs> run people over and put uh tea koozies on their head. Right. Like it's it's grimy, it's dirty, but in a good way. Yeah. It's different. But I wonder if it's because it's got the like English feel to it. Right, which is my other question was like this movie is is extremely British. Um everybody's drinking tea. You know, they've all got the tough accents for us dumb Americans to understand. They like call each other like what would be an insult in England just kind of sounds like a funny word to us Americans. You're like, "What what did he just call him?" Yeah, they're all like Maybe that's a slur, and I yeah. just don't know. So I don't. I don't want to say it. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> so, like, did you don't know, you didn't find any trouble adjusting to any of that? Um, no. No. Because we watch a lot of British stuff, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like 1800s British stuff. I mean, but. we're a movie podcast. So you would hope that we would watch a lot of movies. Sure, but it's like this one is like, I don't know. When you see when we see a lot of movies from like set in the UK, it's always like. Oh, we're we're posh like this is we're gentle and like you you don't see a lot of like down in, yeah down in the dirt british yeah. movies unless you're watching a guy Ritchie movie but even guy Ritchie movies aren't that now like the gentleman for example is not that no all of the gangsters and the gentlemen are like rich dudes these like you get the sense other than like the guys at the top 
like your your like cousin Avi or Bricktop, nobody else in this movie has like any money. Like no. they're all poor. That's why they're gangsters because they need money. Not and, very smart with their money. Right. Gambling it away all the time. Not yeah. Not very trustworthy. Just some like real grimy people. Yeah, and I think that like it's just got such a it just feels so lived in too. Like this movie it feels it doesn't feel like you're on sets. So it doesn't feel like no. it doesn't it feels real almost. Like yeah. you like you could be in this movie and you wouldn't feel like so far away from it, if that makes sense. Like if I'm getting dropped into like Peaky Blinders, like I would feel so out of place, you know. Sure. Well, getting dropped into Guy Ritchie's, I'm like just walking down the street and I just happen to like walk upon this scene on accident, like yeah. w- call the police. So that's another, that's an interesting, like you say, walking up on an event because I feel like that's another hallmark of Guy Ritchie movies is he likes to take you on these long walks for them to kind of like, by happenstance, come back at the end. Like yes. the way they wrap up is usually by coincidence or luck or whatever. Do you, does that resonate with you? Do you, do you like the way he does that? The, especially this movie, especially like the ending of this movie is <laughs> it's lucky. Yeah. I just, I really like how every character in this movie is so different, mm-hmm. but somehow the way he just puts this story together, everybody, everybody intertwines and mingles at some point mm-hmm. and it just feels like natural. Yeah. Like it's it was supposed to happen this way. Like nothing nothing ever seemed forced. Right. Like it's it's really tough when you obviously write a screenplay and you're like I want this to happen by accident. But obviously when you watch a movie, you know nothing is happening by accident because there was a director that told like people they're to not do purposely it. making things fall into this character's lap to like get you to this other scene right like it was just like a conversation these two guys were happen having and it took them to this next spot like you get genuinely surprised when certain characters show up at certain times right even me i've seen this movie so many times and i'm always like oh yeah i forget they are in the same place at this time like when uh when turkish and his girlfriend, I can't remember, Doug. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Doug. Anyway, when they show up at Boris's house right after, like, they have left with Boris and put him in the car, and you're just yeah. like, oh, yeah, like, it all just intersects so well and leads to, like, how that movie is going to end. It's it's just so, yeah, it just feels, like you said, organic. Like, it feels natural. It doesn't feel like he's pushing characters to certain po- places for the plot, but they wouldn't have gone there on their own. Yeah, I like how, how he also puts, like, two completely different groups of like characters in the same like vicinity Mm -hmm. but they don't ever interact but they just happen to be at this same spot at the same time and then based on what they were both doing at that same spot comes full circle at the end right and they didn't never even had an interaction with each other yeah they do a good job of they do a good job of like putting characters that you never thought were actually gonna be in the same room together not only do they put them in the same room, but they do something interesting, like when Vinny and Sol actually meet Boris, and you're just like, "Oh, this isn't gonna work." Like they're so like 
polar opposites but then they have like a really great scene it's just there's just great chemistry throughout this entire movie and that's what makes it tick so well yes so i mean we've been gushing about it (laughs) and on the flip side because we did this for perfect storm like so if you have some critiques of this movie what would they be like what what quite what didn't quite work for you what you know what just what, what stuck out to you like what felt unearned or whatever just you know um so do you mind to bring up the character cast list for me mm-hmm. so the guy who plays let me hang on i'm trying to look at this screen okay the guy who plays Bricktop. yeah the kind of the big bad of the movie yes um him as a as an actor mm-hmm. i didn't really get that feel from him like he just didn't seem big time to me yeah just him him playing trying to play that character i didn't really feel that yeah i think he he maybe has some of the worst scenes as well like him like going to great lengths to describe how you would feed somebody to a pig it's just like probably like three minutes too long yeah um which it's like supposed to be funny because it goes on for so long but it kind of just like there's like a bell curve to that and like you you get to a certain moment where it's like this is peak funny because you've done it for so long and then it just like drops off a cliff we're like okay i just really don't care like how many pounds of flesh a pig can eat (laughs) it's like though i felt like his character was meant to have someone specific in mind Mm -hmm. and they couldn't get him yeah. So we have this guy. It's that's that, almost the kind of like the feel that I get from him. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, like I said, like they made this movie for no money. So like, yeah, now you're like, oh, they have Brad Pitt in it, but it's Brad Pitt in 2000. Right. Brad Pitt in 2000 is not the same as Brad Pitt in even like 2005. Exactly. Yeah. S- same with Jason Statham. Uh, like, for example, Benicio Del Toro is top build in this movie. Like, think about that. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I could... That the the movie that pops up to me when I hear his name is Sicario. Oh man. Somebody suggests Sicario. Is that movie good though? Yeah, absolutely. Denny Villeneuve? Are you crazy? I don't know. I don't know if it's good. I don't know if I like it. Somebody suggests Sicario <laughs> so I can prove to Kristen that that movie is not only good, it's excellent. <laughs> Denny Villeneuve don't miss. He but, don't miss. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like He's not, like, as imposing as maybe you would want him to be. Just, like, comparing how the rest of the characters are. He just... I don't know. Him, specifically, for some reason, just stuck out. Sure. And maybe he's supposed maybe, to. Yeah, maybe Like, is. he is weird in the movie. And, like, that may be what they're going for. But I agree it doesn't, like, 100% work. It obviously doesn't, like, kill the movie for, or anything for me because there's so much else good going on. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I feel like somebody maybe a little more imposing a little like scarier because he's always like sending his dudes to do stuff which i get it he's the big boss right but you feel like he's sending his dudes because he can't do it himself not because he doesn't want to yeah i think that doesn't super work i think there are some like gags in the movie in the middle when vinnie jones shows up like there are some great scenes but i think overall like his stuff doesn't fully work like the whole pub scene where he like shoots through the wall he's like He's just there for, like, comedic relief. Sure. And it is funny when, like, he shoots at Boris and he oh has to shoot gosh, a bunch of yes. times. It's a, it's a really funny scene. It's but it's just, like you love his character, though. You do, but it just kind of, like, some of it holds the movie up a little yeah. bit. Um, 
I want to take this back. So nitpicks aside, you can nitpick any movie to death. We got to just take a minute and just talk about Brad Pitt. <laughs> I mean, Mickey again, we'll talk about him again. Oh, Neil. Well, but yeah, but we didn't talk about his character. Okay. Like we talked about Brad Pitt, the icon. We but didn't I talk was, about Mickey O'Neill. But I was never going to say like his accent hurt this movie because it absolutely does not. No. Like it is the perfect thing in this movie. It's It has that amazing shock value where when he says his first line... It's hilarious. Like, you're just laughing out of pure, like, I can't believe that came out of Brad Pitt's mouth. Especially in 2020. Like, like, I'm sure in 2000 it was one thing for that to happen to Brad Pitt. But, like, to watch this movie knowing who Brad Pitt is now and what he was and what he's become. To see him as a gypsy who can barely speak English is... Well, it's not that he can barely speak English. He's, his accent is just so, like... Thick. Sure. Well, yeah. And he's, quick and right. talking fast, but no one just can understand him. And it's it's so funny that like even the characters in the movie can't understand him. Like that's a really great kind of like fourth wally joke a little bit. Well, it's funny because um like when I get to into it here in a minute, I I found some like interesting tidbits about the movie about that. So it's a good thing that you brought that up. Okay, hit him with, hit me with them. Okay. Um. So Brad Pitt's character, of course, what we're just talking about so his speech uh was inspired by many critic complaints about the accents um in the previous movie of guy ritchie's lock stock and the two smoking barrels also excellent so guy ritchie decided to counter the criticism by creating a character that not only couldn't be understood by the audience but also couldn't be understood by the characters in this movie so it is meta yes so it's super meta that's a flex. Yeah. I can appreciate that. He was like, you, you can't understand anybody in this movie? What about this guy? Yeah. Nobody can. Here is, here's Brad Pitt. I wonder how, I wonder how long it took him to like kind of perfect that. Two takes. You think he was just natural? Nailed it. Yeah. Okay. I got so much faith in him. <laughs> you could be like Brad Pitt. You got to speak Chinese this entire movie. He'd be like, give me a week. He's I like, got done. It. Yeah. Um, the the F word was said 163 times in this movie. Nice. Does that break a record? I don't know. It doesn't. It's it's not the highest one. Like Wolf of Wall Street has like 300 or something okay. like that. But yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. I wonder if it was like, I wonder if that was like, I guess, record breaking at the time. It, it may have been at the, at the time. I know that. There have been a couple of movies that have broken it since then. I think The Irishman's even up there. Yeah. Of course, the movie's three and a half hours long, so they had plenty of time to say all the F words they wanted to. Um, so, going back to Bricktop. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there's a scene in the movie where um, they're kind of in his, like, dog fighting um like warehouse i guess yep. um and then there's a scene where he kind of like pokes at a dog and like kind of like hits it mm-hmm. um so it's a funny little tidbit because the the actor alan ford in real life he's a vegetarian and animal activist oh, wow. animal rights activist yeah so i thought that was kind of interesting especially like his character yeah so he really had to play against type there yeah that is interesting he was out <laughs> Alan Ford also in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, which, again, like the gentleman, 
if Snatch is the only Guy Ritchie movie you've ever seen, also watch Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. It's honestly just about just as good. I still put this one slightly over it, but it's a great time. Yeah. Um, and then the last little fun tidbit. Um, so Guy Ritchie himself, um, in the back of the bar when we first get introduced to Doug the Head, mm-hmm. um, Ritchie is actually in the background reading a newspaper so he put himself in the movie right nice. there it's super cool he does that yeah because he's also in the gentleman so where is he in the gentleman in the gentleman he's the movie producer that colin farrell is telling oh, that's guy Ritchie. Okay, yeah yeah which yeah. there if i'm not mistaken there is a snatch poster hanging on his wall in his office in that might, movie yeah so that's fun yeah he he likes to do that which is fun. i like i like it when directors do that when it's warranted right you know like jay and silent bob like that's always fun to me yeah so i noticed so like comparing when i was comparing like kind of guy Ritchie to a tarantino like mm-hmm. vibe tarantino used to put himself in some of his films Absolutely. but i've noticed that that's not necessarily like his it's not necessarily like his his theme his niche yeah well because he's not in all of them He's just in a f- some of them. Yeah. I don't know. He might be somewhere in all of them. Like, I don't want to definitively say he's not in all of them. I've actually never looked. But, yeah, like, he had parts, especially in, like, Reservoir Dogs and, you know, infamously Pulp Fiction now. But I remember reading about Pulp Fiction, and he just, he said that he didn't think anyone was pulling off that scene well enough. So, he was like, I'm just going to do it. Which is hilarious because it's easily the worst part of that movie. (laughs) Um, So, like, whoops. You know, nobody's perfect. He likes what he's like. I get it. He likes what he likes. I always hope that he was like, this character is so bad that I don't want to make anybody else play it, so (laughs) I'm going to do it myself. But he's too vain for that. Love Tarantino. Don't take that the wrong way. He'll never hear this. It's okay. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, it's always like, that'd be, that's a good... That'd be a good episode, like best director cameos in movies and worst, because there's there's a long list. If that's something the listeners wanna wanna hear, let us know. For we'll sure. Do that. Yeah, that'd We'd be fun. Do that. But okay, so well, don't you give me? You got any other fun facts? That's all you got? Yeah, that was that's pretty much. There was a lot. So if you if you love this movie or you're interested in knowing more, there was a ton out there about it. I just. These just kind of stuck out to me in the list. So. Sure. Snatch is absolutely one of those movies that I'm like, I bet that was a reference or like yeah. something, but I'm either the wrong age or the wrong nationality to get it. <laughs> right. But I feel like that's, there's something else there. Yeah. Oh, do you want, I'm sure you want to wrap up your final thoughts, give your score. Um, final thoughts. Um, this movie's definitely, definitely rewatchable. Absolutely. Um, I'd love to sit down and, have like a guy richie marathon yeah um overall score i gave it a 3.5 because of that Mm -hmm. um it's a good movie fun time and yeah i would i would recommend this movie to other people absolutely um yeah a guy richie marathon would be fun all of his movies are so breezy and like so watchable that you can easily just like burn through them like you don't it's not like um, it's not like a Paul Thomas Anderson watch where you gotta like have yourself a good cry at the end of every movie, so you're not exactly ready to hit play on the next one. Right. Uh, so 
I agree. That would be a lot of fun. Also, they're all like super short usually, which thank God. If you're not Quentin Tarantino, you're not Stanley Kubrick, you're not some of the greats, don't make your movie too long. Michael Bay, stop it. I watched all the Transformers movies again in quarantine because I hate myself. So I'm really especially mad at Michael Bay right now. Anyway, that's beside the point. Don just likes to torture himself, apparently. I do. I watch the DCEU movies, too. I was not a part of that. Yeah, you were lucky. <laughs> so, wrapping up my final thoughts on Snatch, the movie we're actually reviewing. <laughs> um, I agree. This movie is... It's so much fun. It's so funny. It is... It's actually got a, a couple, like, decent emotional beats to it. Just, like, in amidst the the gags and, and such. Like, Brad Pitt's mom. Like, it's a... It's a legit shock scene. Like yeah. you, you don't expect it, uh-uh. and it, it does. Like you feel for it, um, but yeah, it's in, it's out. You remember every single one of the characters. They all get like a moment to shine. It like never really drags, and if you ever like just start to bait, maybe you feel it drag. It's on to something next. It's got some fun like camera movements and cuts, and some jokes. Yeah, I, I could watch this movie. You know, once a month. I, I give it four out of five stars. That extra half a star is just for nostalgia because, like I said, this was a movie that just really was very impressionable. I was a very impressionable seeing it the first time, and it's always going to stick with me. I would like to also add that the comedy that's in this movie still holds up today, and I sure. think there's something to say about that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to write comedy in the time that you're writing it, much less 20 years later. And it's still... It still holds up. Like, there's nothing, like, oof about any of it. It's, it, it's great. Yeah, there's some great, it's like... excellent writing. Callback jokes and, pet, you know, set up, like, long payoffs. They... Yeah, there's, there's some really clever comedy in there. I agree. So, I think that's going to do it. Yeah. Um, feels good to be back. Um, like I said, we'll probably... We're going to go back to weekly because what else are we doing? <laughs> so... We've been watching a bunch of movies anyway. My letterbox is like ablaze with logging movies. So I'll probably, you know, I think I'll, uh, in our show notes, I'll link my letterbox. If you want to, yeah, if you want to follow me, see what I'm watching. I review any movie I'm seeing for the first time. If you want to read my bad opinions instead of hearing them, there's an option <laughs> for your, that too. That's your choice. Yeah. You know, be kind. You can leave comments on there. So, yeah. So, like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we're kind of doing like the blind spot thing. Mm. So if you've got, and also of, of course, listener suggestions. Sure. So if you've got anything that you would want us to review, like anything that you've just like, you know, I really love this movie, but no one's ever talked about it. Just send it to us. We will watch that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll like for the blind spot, uh, how a normal episode will go. This one kind of worked out in the way it did, but right. is. We'll probably pick a blind spot for one of us each week, and we'll just flip back and forth. And then we'll also take a listener suggestion. If a listener suggestion also happens to be a blind spot, you know this will happen. Yeah, we're like us. We're like Michael Jordan. We're adapting. <laughs> another another last dance. Reference. Do we do a special episode? We just talk about the last dance. I'll let that be up to the listeners. Do I just do one solo pod? Just me? No just talking about how i wasn't born yet but michael jordan was winning all those championships <laughs> and then he was in a commercial with spike lee movie c brought it back oh my gosh so but yeah i think that's gonna do it for us this week like i said if you 
you know, if you want to, you want to see us review something, we'll do it. We might rip it to shreds. So just remember that. And we might not. We might love it. Yeah, we may love it. Maybe my new favorite movie. I doubt it, but it might be. <laughs> um. So yeah, you can send us an email at inrealtimepod at gmail.com. Right. Um, we, of course, are on social media, so you can find us on Twitter um, at inrealtimepod, the same for Instagram. So you can kind of find us a little bit anywhere. Reach out to us. Um, our personal Twitter links are on the podcast twitter so just hit us up however you want to yeah if you don't want to use email because you're a young kid and you don't even know what email is at this point (laughs) um you can definitely like dm us your suggestions or anything like that it just you want to send them to us in the mail we won't read them and we'll move because you found our addresses and that's scary yeah so but yeah you know whatever you got we'll we'll watch it we're watching everything wait i'm watched seven samurai it's a masterpiece sure sure yeah yeah Yeah. see she had to lean into the microphone to say that (laughs) but yeah thank you guys for listening um oh i should say we're on all podcast services just search for in real time if you're using one and we're not on it also let us know yeah i'll put us on there yes um but i think that's all the plugs we got uh we will be back next week and until then i love you